Welcome to the Bad Roman Podcast. On this show, we talk with veterans, community leaders, Christians, and non-Christians as we explore the entanglement of Christians with the state. The Bad Roman Project was created out of the firm belief that as Christians, we are called to follow Christ, not the state. Here is your host, Craig Hargis. Hey, folks. I got connected to today's guest through Scott Arnold, who contributed to our blog at thebadroman.com. In his article, he mentioned working with Steiger and helping them at the Polish Woodstock. Luke Greenwood, who is the European director for Steiger, joins me today. I asked Luke to come on to tell us more about Steiger and what their mission is. Luke is a podcaster and writer as well. We will discuss his podcast and book, but first I want to hear all about Steiger. How are you doing today? Hey, Craig. No, I'm good. Thanks so much for having me come on. I'm excited to join in here. This is fun, man. I, like I was telling you before we started recording, I uh, heard about you through Scott Arnold, who writes for our blog, or wrote for our blog, and um, he told some interesting stories about Polish Woodstock in, in his article and on the episode we recorded, and I wanted to hear more from you about it, too, because he told a really cool story at the end about you guys setting up some equipment and playing some music and stuff, and that's kind of how what spurred this conversation. So I'm, I'm happy you, you accepted the, the invite. Wow. That was a crazy story. <laughs> yeah. Well, I told him when we were recording too that the way he was describing Polish Woodstock, it sounded like a very strange movie that I couldn't wrap my brain around. But <laughs> talking about the Hare Krishnas and stuff and how they had their stage set up and then you had. Right. Well, it feels like a strange movie when we're in it. It definitely, it's definitely like that. It's a crazy place. Happens every year here in Poland. It's the largest, as far as I'm aware, it's the largest uh, festival in Europe because it's for free. And, you know, they bring in big names as all festivals do, but it just packs out like 800,000 people and it is craziness. So it does, it is a bit like a strange movie. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, I'm kind of curious to see it like firsthand. I guess everything's kind of shut down right now, but. Or maybe I could just watch it on TV. I don't know how that would work because I don't know how well I'd fit in from fit in a spot like that. There's definitely plenty on YouTube. Yeah, it didn't happen this year, um, of course, with the lockdown. But but uh, no, we've been with our team from our mission. We've been going to this uh, festival every year for I think it's coming on nine, ten years now. We go to other festivals as well. That's part of what we do as a mission. But that one is such a key place to go because. There's something about the culture of it. People are really going, it's kind of a, it's a bit of an underground movement and yet it became big and it's not so commercial like the other festivals. And so people have that kind of, you know, desire to just go there and hang out and talk. And what we find is people are so open there because they're free. They've got the time to hang out and talk and they're interested and open to talk about spiritual things. And at the same time, it's a really sad place and situation just because you see the brokenness and it's that raw brokenness you know there's people uh you know collapsing on the on the side of the roads and uh drinking too much and and just craziness going on they we you know often when i explain it to people i say that there's uh two kinds of people working there there's the security guards that are there that are big guys that are separating the fights then there's these other guys going around with uh kind of 
wheelbarrows or you know trailers being pulled with 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 motorbikes to pick up people who have passed out on the side of the road and take them to the hospital tent. So it's quite an intense environment, but we go there because we want to share hope with people and that's the whole point of it. So Scott joined us that year when he came over to do our mission training in Germany. And, uh, and that's, that's how he got to see the craziness we got up to there with our <laughs> illegal concert in the middle of the festival. <laughs> We're going to get into that here towards the end of the show. But um, before we get into Steiger, and we'll talk about what y'all are doing with that, but why don't you give the listeners a little background on yourself if they're not familiar with you? Definitely. I was uh, born in the UK and my parents were missionaries. And so we left to Brazil when I was eight years old. So I grew up in Brazil. Um, my parents working there as missionaries. And so I got the kind of craziness, but also privilege of growing up in different cultures and getting to see different parts of the world. Um, when I was in university, I really felt a clear calling from God to serve him in missions as well. You know, I, I stayed strong in my faith. I, I, throughout my teenage years, I, I, I kind I was a rebel, but a rebel with, with the faith and Jesus was my Lord in that time even. So I, you know, I I caused protests and stuff in my school because I wanted to react against the society and the stuff that I was seeing around me that I didn't think was right. So I kind of had the freedom to be a rebel in that way, but I stayed strong in my faith. And so when I came to university, I really wanted to do something meaningful with my life. I wanted to do whatever God was calling me to do. And I'd see my parents serve him with everything they had as missionaries. And I thought that's something, you know, that I should be doing too. But but there's probably something you know different, you know, unique about how I was going to do. I wasn't just going to do what my parents were doing. And I realized that there were so many in my university who would never walk into a church because they had such a negative idea about Christianity and, and had a, a wrong idea about who Jesus is. And so I thought, well, we really need some missionaries to cross the kind of cultural barrier that is to the secular culture today around us. And I was realizing that there's this big gap between the faith I grew up in and the university I was going to and the world around me. And the, the same kind of effort I'd see my parents doing to go to another country, another culture and identify with people and find ways to communicate in a way they could understand that that was needed in every city all over the world that is in, becoming increasingly secularized. So that became my prayer. You know, I was praying, God, I want to, I want to like, I, actually at that time I was thinking I was going to start a mission organization that would reach young people, young adults outside the church who had this negative idea of the church. So I started praying, looking, came across some other people that had similar ideas and prayers, um, ended up meeting David Pierce and the band No Longer Music. Uh, David is the founder of Stygo. It's the mission I work with. And uh, at that time, I was only 18 years old, first year at university. And I said, I want to join this mission, you know, because that, that's what I it felt like it was answer to my prayers that I'd met these guys. And, uh, and he said, well, you can join up. You got to come to our, our conference, our gathering next month. And I was like, I'll be there. Just tell me where it is. And he said, well, it's in Poland. So I, <laughs> I went home. Uh, still living in Brazil at the time. <laughs> I went home and called my, my mother. I was like, mom, I'm, I'm going to Poland next month. And she was like, why? And I was like, I have to join this mission. And uh, she was like, oh, great. Well, don't forget to call, you know. <laughs> so I, uh, I just sold some stuff, you know, packed my bags <laughs> and bought a, a plane ticket and ended up in Poland uh, back in 2001, 2002. And that's, you know, like I said, I was 18 at the time. And so it was a pretty crazy adventure. But that was how I ended up 
joining in this mission. And so that's a bit of my background. It's so born in the UK, grew up in Brazil and, and ended up getting involved in this um, worldwide mission, doing lots of crazy stuff with the mission to, to reach young people who have this negative view of, of uh, the church and, and who Jesus is. So you've been in Poland ever since? No, I, I ended up going various places. At first, I stayed in Brazil, finished my degree, um, and I got involved in the mission while still at university. So I would travel during my summer break. Um, I joined that band in the end, the band I mentioned, No Longer Music. I was a drummer at the time, so I toured with this band around the world. We went to different parts of South America. We went to the Middle East, to Europe. Um, we played in places like Turkey, uh, Lebanon, uh, you know, and then Europe, Germany, Poland, different places like that. And th we were just, um, the whole point was to go where the gospel is not preached. So we would not be playing in churches or Christian festivals and events. We'd be going into um, the clubs, the festivals, uh, into, you know, Muslim countries and playing in, uh, you know, in, on, on, in street events and things like this and just sharing the gospel boldly through that and we found that it was a great tool because it was presenting the gospel in a fresh way and often what it would do is it would make people stop and think again and they'd say wow i'd never really thought about jesus in that way i'd never really realized that that's what christianity is about and so that was our goal you know to make people stop and think again so i ended up traveling around um, when i finished my degree i went and did um, some mission training with Steiger at the time in New Zealand, and that's where I connected with my wife, and uh, we, we, you know, we would study together there, and, and that's where I, I, we got engaged. And then we moved to the UK, and we helped out a church in London for a while. We both studied at um, missiology in a in a in a training center there for missionaries, and then we kept going with the same mission with Steiger, and that's when we w went full time. Uh, we went back to Brazil for six years, and now we're in Poland, and we've been here for five years. So I've served in lots of different places and uh, seen God move powerfully in all those different places. I, I really see how God is really just crosses cultural barriers, and the message of the good news about Jesus is just powerful everywhere. And, and just seeing all of that helped me realize, it reemphasized what I'd already seen in university, was that there is a, there's a generation everywhere in cities all around the world who are growing up in this secular context and they're not getting a chance to hear about who Jesus is in a way that they can understand. And uh, it's it really is a need everywhere. And also the interesting thing is there's this global culture, right? So you, having traveled to these different places, you realize how uh, people are sharing the same, uh, many, many of the same values and same kind of um, culture and, and products, I guess. And uh, so there is some, there's a, there's a link there that allows us to share the gospel in, in this global culture in a way that makes sense in, you know, all over the world. And, and yet it's the same challenge everywhere, secularization, people not knowing anymore who, uh, who Jesus is, uh, this cultural gap between the church and, and society around us. That's really cool. Um, I guess since we're on the subject, because I'm, I'm curious now, since y'all you traveled with that band, and it's something that Scott talked about in in the episode we recorded with at the Polish Woodstock, how much pushback are you getting from other folks like that are not on board with what you're doing? Because what he was describing to me, and I'm paraphrasing, but y'all when y'all were at the Polish Woodstock, y'all were picking up equipment and going in and setting up to play music when you weren't supposed, you weren't allowed to, or something. But they let y'all in anyway, and then. 
he said even there were there were folks there that were not were kind of pushing back, but they just stood there silently and let y'all get through y'all's music. And then they said it was really cool the reaction that people that were that stood around and they, they stuck around to listen more about what you had to say. And that's why it kind of, kind of why I wanted to have you on because it was really cool. The story was telling me about that. So how much pushback do you guys get? And tell me a little bit about that story, and then we'll get into Steiger. I was going to save it to the end, but I think since we're already there, let's go ahead and talk about it now. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, this is what every follower of Jesus faces in our world today. It's a society that has, well, at least in the West, like in the US or in Europe, we might might have Christian foundations, but people have just gone away from it and see it as a dead tradition of the past. And that that means that there is immediately a barrier and there's immediately uh, some um, apathy towards the Christian message from most people today, or at least aspects of it. You know, especially in our times, we're noticing more and more just a, an, uh, a distaste uh, towards what they see as Christian values. So they think, you know, our Christians are all about, well, it's uh, anti-abortion and it's anti-LGBT. And so they just see us in that package. So when we try sharing our faith today, that's often a reaction we get. So just as everybody in the church experiences, we, in what we do as a mission, face that all the time because our goal is to be right there where where people are who would not walk into a church who have those negative ideas so we're up against that all the time but what we have found and and this is a key thing um kind of a a message that's on my heart a lot uh over the last few years is that the biggest thing i see in our culture is a spiritual hunger so while there's apathy on the surface there is a deep spiritual hunger behind it because we were made for God. We were made to be in relationship with Him. And, th- and therefore, even people that are far away from the church and from anything related to faith, they, they know, or even without realizing, they have this need in their hearts. They know that they need something more. And, and so they're hungry for it. So what we found is whenever we go into these places and we present the gospel or we show who Jesus is, in, in a way that is different or fresh or breaking down barriers, even if there's an initial apathy, very often people uh, end up being thankful and like, wow, I'd never really thought about it in this way. And they're curious and they want to talk more. And that is the most common reaction we get is people coming up afterwards, go, like often in tears or saying, wow, I had never thought about Jesus that way or uh, we use lots of different tools to do this. Some of it is art and music, but that's not the only thing we do. We've got teams going to the streets, going into clubs and going into universities, doing different stuff. I end up doing a lot of stuff with bands just because that's my world. Um, so as just an example, you know, I was playing in, a, in an electronic music festival about a month ago. We went in there, we shared, uh, we, we do our concert, we share a message from the stage openly uh, explaining who Jesus is and how much God cares about the world around us, how, ma- how many of the values people believe in today actually come from God, from the gospel, from the cross of Jesus. And so just explain these things. This guy walks up to me afterwards, tears in his eyes, and he goes, I have never heard somebody explain to me the Christian religion in that way. And he said, the last time I had contact with anybody with a faith like this, it was my grandmother. And she, you know, this is in Poland, right? Poland is a strong Catholic country for those that don't know. And he said, you know, my grandma was a, was, um, a Catholic believer, but she she really had an encounter with God in a strong way. And 
So sometimes when you live in a strong Catholic country, there are many aspects of, of, of it that become just a tradition. And for many people, it's just going to church each Sunday and it's not, it, there isn't so much of a real faith. Um, it, it becomes like that. But he said, but she really prayed and she really prayed to Jesus. And she told me a lot about Jesus. And I'd never heard anybody talk about Jesus in a real alive way again until today. And he said, this is like, I so need this. I want to know more. Can you pray for me? Can we talk more? And that was the reaction I got. And, and that's often the reaction we have. That story in Woodstock is another example. The concert we did there was illegal because um, we weren't invited to play. <laughs> so uh, the way it works is we go there with a team every year and we hang out with people. We set up a big army tent and we serve breakfast and we end up sitting with like 100, 200 people every morning who come to eat there and just hang out and we talk and share our faith. We pray for people. And that in itself is amazing. There's, there's great stuff going on there. People are really hungry to come and talk, not just for the food, but for the, for the message as well. But I'm looking at that sea of tents, right? 800,000 people. And I'm just crying out to God for those people and saying, how can they ever get the chance to hear who Jesus really is and how much God cares about them? And as I'm looking into that sea of tents, I'm just praying, God, how can we really have an impact here? How can we make sure people hear, hear the message? And then I just had this idea, like, we got to go in there with my band. But we had this problem that we hadn't been invited. So I went back to our team in the tent. Obviously, like every festival, it's got big stages everywhere, bands that have been invited to play. And we weren't one of them. So I went to our team there and the, run the tent. And I said, guys, I want to go into the middle of those tents where all those people are, the crowds, and I want to play our concert and share about Jesus there. So can you guys help me? So, and, and that, this is, Scott was there, you know, with us, uh, part of this. So we started picking up our PA system. We got an old generator and we just started carrying it into the festival and we carried it bit by bit so that security guards wouldn't be suspicious. And we set it up in the middle of the, where all the people were, where all the tents were. And we, we just started playing our music. And people gathered, you know, there are a crowd uh, of, I don't know, three, 400 people gathering around close to us. And then it just kept growing to a point where we were blocking the road and the security guards came along and I thought, okay, now it's going to end. They're going to kick us out. They just came along and they said, hey, just try to not block the road. So <laughs> they were really kind to us. So we kind of just kept playing. And in between each song, I'd be talking about reality of our society today. I'd be saying, guys, so many of us feel lonely. We feel lost. We don't know what's true, what's right or wrong anymore. Uh, we, we think we're connected and yet we're so far from each other. Relationships are not real anymore. Um, we're looking for purpose. And so many of us feel like we don't have purpose in life. We don't know why we're living anymore. Um, we feel like, you know, we've been told that we're just an accident, that we, we, you know, we come from an explosion in the sky and there's nothing more to life. It's just the things you buy. You're just supposed to work hard, you know, go on holiday and then get old and die. And that's it. That's life. And that's what we're being told. And, and so, and you know, this is what I'm sharing in the middle, in between songs. And then I say at the end, guys, I really believe that we were made for so much more than this. I believe that you, every single one of you is precious, is valuable, more valuable than all of this festival. And it's because you were made by a loving God, a God who cares about you, a God who has a purpose for you and made you. And that's why you feel the need for it. That's why each of us feels this longing for meaning and for real relationship. It's because we were made by a God who is like that, who has meaning and has love and relationship. And so, um, and then I, I, 
explain that. And then I say, look, the, 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 all of us can know God. The good news is this, that God is for everybody. It's not just for religious people that go to a church. It's for you and me. And the way that we can get to him is because of what Jesus did on the cross. And when I say the name Jesus in Poland, just like in, in the U.S. or in many other places, people will think of politics and they'll think of uh, religion or a tradition and it, there'll be that wall of apathy that comes up. But I address that. So I say, guys, when I say Jesus, you'll think of politics or a system, but that's not what he was about. He walked on, on these dirty streets with us. He was one of us. He died a horrible death and he defeated death and came back to life. He was killed by religious people and by politicians. He was not part of this system. And yet he defeated it by his death on the cross. And through it, he offers us forgiveness and peace with God. And every single one of us can be accepted by God because of what he did in his death and resurrection. And if you want that, then raise your fists in the air with me. <laughs> now, you might think that in the middle of a crazy festival like Polish Woodstock, people would just be throwing stuff at us and shouting and telling us to get out. But the reaction was the opposite. There were fists in the air everywhere. There were people like cheering it, going, yeah, God is for everyone, you know, because they'd never really thought about it in that way. So we pray with them and then we say, come and talk to us. And we spend hours in conversation. We repeated this four or five times that day. I can't remember. Now, the story didn't end there. And I don't know if Scott told you the rest of this, but the next year we got called by one of the main stages in this festival. And the stage is ran by the Hare Krishnas, who, it, who are like, you know, a westernized version of Hinduism or something like that. And they called up and they said, we'd like you to play on our stage. And we were like, why? You know, we're not a known band. Why would you call it? Why would you have us come? And the organizer said, last year, I was walking through the festival and I saw an illegal concert on the street and there were packs of people around this band. And in his words, he said, there was a fire in the crowd <laughs> and I wanted that at my stage. And, uh, and he says, so that's why I had you guys come. So we went there and we prayed hard before this because we were like, God, how do we share the gospel on one of the main stages at Woodstock Festival and a stage run by Hare Krishna people? You know, I prayed about it before and I felt like God gave me a message for them, which was the Hare Krishna movement talks about God being a God of compassion. And so from the stage, I said, guys, I respect your, your spiritual searching, but you're looking for a God of compassion. And there's only one God who proved his compassion. And it's Jesus who died on the cross for each of us. He proved God's love and compassion for us. And when I got off the stage, this Hare Krishna organizer got on the stage, took the microphone, and he said, isn't it great to hear a band talking about spiritual truth? about a God who loved us and who died on a cross and came back to life for us. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> and God was just moving in that place. We prayed for people afterwards. It was powerful. And I can't explain till today how that happened, but you, uh, just seeing God in it all, just opening those opportunities, honoring a step of faith or of boldness to, to, to go into a place and to share the good news where it's not being shared and, and talking to people that, would usually have a negative reaction. So kind of all of that story and that to, it's a long answer to your question, but yes, people are apathetic, but more than anything, they are spiritually hungry. And I truly believe, and not just from, 
from an idea, but out of personal experience, that whenever we take a step of faith to go into dark places and to go to people that would would think would be negative towards the message, and we boldly share that message, we communicate it clearly, we proclaim it from the rooftops, and yet in a way that is trying to understand people, trying to come you know come to people where they are and and be at the same level and you know and then share it in a way that that is welcoming to them that people are ready they're hungry they're spiritually hungry they need god more than anything and and they know it even when they don't know it if you know what i mean man i cannot tell you how much i love that story that 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 story was incredible and it's it's something that we've we've recognized with this with the project we're doing too and it's something that kind of spurred what we were doing. I was, I was telling you before we were, we started recording that there's, there's a, an image of Jesus from so many people, just like you described that it's, it's base it's, it's politics or, or tradition. And that's not the way I've, I've viewed him. I don't think I've ever viewed him that way. And, but you see it so much now and I love what you guys are doing. And that's, and it's, it's very encouraging to hear that people are, are latching on to that because it could get gets rough out there sometimes, but to hear stories like this is very encouraging, and I really appreciate what you guys are doing. That's awesome. Now, I was reading on your website. It said Steiger's primary purpose is to bridge the gap between the church and the global youth culture. Now, what you just described it. Are you guys doing anything other than going to concerts and playing music, or what else are you guys doing? How are y'all going about reaching this purpose other than? going to Polish Woodstock or or wherever you guys are playing. No, it's basically we what we're doing is we're setting up teams with a missional mindset in key cities all around the world. What we're trying to do is we're infu- we're trying to infuse and mobilize followers of Jesus to realize that the secular culture around us is the largest unreached culture today. And so we're forming teams in cities that have that vision and that heart and are working to actively and regularly be present in the secular scene of their city to proclaim the message of the gospel in creative ways, in different ways into the scene of the city and to make disciples in that place, bridging the gap with the, uh, between the church and the global youth culture. So it'll look different in different cities. We've got teams all around the city, uh, all around the world. We've, we're working um, with different pioneering actions and stuff in over 100 cities around the world. Um, and some of those cities have solid established teams with like 20, 30 people who often have, you know, keep their regular jobs, but they're just working together to reach the city. Uh, they're from different churches and they're joining together and they're going to the streets, doing creative street evangelism. They're going into the universities and engaging in debates and discussions. Um, they're being part of the cultural scene, whether it's like... Um, in the scene of uh, literature and writing and poetry or music and the arts or um, in, in engaging like the, the clubbing scene or whatever it is that's going on in that city where people are meeting, they're going there and they're engaging in relationships and in boldly sharing the gospel. And we talk about discipleship being part of that right from the front lines. Often discipleship is thought of as a program that's done in church when somebody first comes to church. Um, but we see it as something that happens right from day one when we meet new people and they're interested. And we try to make the Word of God and prayer um, accessible and a normal part of life. So we'll be running Bible studies in parks, in cafes, in places where people are, and we'll be inviting them into this. We'll like we'll run Bible studies and we call them 
uh, like Bible studies for the non-religious and stuff like that. And we'll have some of our teams and missionaries will be living together in a in a house or a flat downtown that that'll be like an open house and everybody's invited and they'll do you know events or parties in their house and they'll be inviting people all the time. And it's just really trying to be part of the secular scene, part of people's lives and and sharing the gospel in that way. So that's the core of what we do. And we call it a Steiger City team. And we're setting these teams up everywhere. Uh, we're, we're actually right now in a phase of real strong growth in the U.S., setting up teams all around the U.S. Um, and so the, that, that's, that's the vision. And it's identifying uh, a champion or a leader in a city who really gets at that and says, I want to reach my city in that way. And then we kind of get behind that person and help them form a team, help them connect with different churches and uh, draw some people together that would... Uh, that would have that heart and that vision to reach young people and young adults um, outside the church. We define the demographic as sort of 17 to 35-year-olds who have grown up in this secular context. Um, they uh, maybe have never had much contact with the church. Uh, so <laughs> majority of our society today, right? <laughs> That's kind of how it is. It's definitely not a fringe group. <laughs> That's awesome. And I've, I'm a big believer in that you have to kind of start at home and start start locally if you're going to start spreading the gospel. You know what I mean? And I think that's cool what y'all are doing is setting it up, you know, setting up different groups in, in different cities to do that. And if you get people in a certain city that wants to start something like this, that's a way you, they could start something like at home, you know, something close to them. They don't have to travel to Poland or Germany or Brazil or New Zealand or wherever. They can do it. I could do it right here in Memphis. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's really cool what's, what you guys are doing because I, I've always believed that you have to start where you're at and kind of go and move out that way. Guess. And I, you answered my next question about the Steiger City teams. And so how tell us how one can get involved with something like that. And then I want to talk about your podcast a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can look, uh, listeners can look up the mission on the website, steiger.org. Or you can follow us on different social media stuff, you know, Instagram, Facebook, etc. Um, look up Steiger International. There, like you said, we're more than 90, 95% of our teams and workers are working in their own cities. So we call it missional or missions because we see that it's uh, what we're doing is we're crossing a cultural gap inside our own cities. We're going from our church world to go and be part of life in the city around us. And that's what we're challenging people to do. What happens most of the time is somebody will hear about what we're doing and they might come and connect with us somewhere. They might come to our mission training uh, in Germany like Scott did. Uh, it's a 10-week program in Germany, and um, they get to meet people from all over the world that are doing something similar. But then they'll go back home to their own city, and in partnership with their own local church and with other churches, they'll start reaching into their city, and they'll be gathering other people to do that. And that's how it usually works. Most of our teams are working in their own cities. Um, so yeah, you can start where you are. We we have work um, all over the place, and like I was just saying, in the U.S. as well. So one of the things we'll do is people will invite us to come into town, come share at their church or something, and we we run seminars. Uh, like sometimes we'll come over for a weekend and do a, a whole day Saturday seminar 
and we'll go to the streets together and do something crazy like organize a big flash mob or a protest and and <laughs> and preach the gospel that way we we have a guy from switzerland who who's known in switzerland as greenpeace for jesus because he's always organizing these crazy protests in the middle of the city and then he preaches the gospel through that uh, he got, he's been banned from a number of historic church buildings because he'll climb up to the top of the, of these, you know, European historic buildings and he'll drop big banners down the side of the building. That's like, um, you know, like about, about, you know, who Jesus is or he'll, he would, um, hang that banner, you know, the sign that people would, uh, ISIS would mark Christians houses with in, in that part of the world to, to say they're Christians. So he, he'd climb up the top of these big historic churches and drop one of those signs down the whole side of the building. And so anyway, we'll do, we'll do crazy stuff that, that will call people's attention and bring the gospel in a crazy way. So we'll, we'll kind of come with a team into the town and we'll do a seminar, get people involved in the action. And that will often just kickstart something. And people will be like, yes, we got to be bold again. we got to go. Yes, it's loving people, but it's also being clear about the message and seeing that, that this is the revolution Jesus called us to be part of. Um, so, yeah, check out the website. Check out what we're, what we're doing. See if we're already coming somewhere near you. And if not, tell us we should be. Write to us. Say, come and bring a team here. Let's start something in my area. So that's, that's kind of how it goes. That's awesome. Hey, folks. Greg here. And I'd like to let y'all know we are always looking for writers to contribute to our blog. I don't care if you have any experience or not. Two or three of our contributors have no prior experience writing, and it turns out they have a real knack for it. Our project coordinator helps them put the articles together, and she publishes them on our website and Facebook page. And you will also have the option to come on the show and go more in-depth about your article. So if you like what we're doing at The Bad Roman and would like to try your hand at writing, and send us an email at thebadromanpodcast at gmail.com. We're having a blast with this project, and we would love for you to join us in helping promote it. Now back to the show. So in our, in our email back and forth trying to set this conversation up, I had, you sent me something. I'd never heard of your podcast. It's called Provoke and Inspire, and looked it up on Facebook as well. You have a Facebook page. It turns out I've got some mutual friends that also like the Facebook page, so maybe some of our listeners are going to know, be familiar with you on that, with that podcast, but is this podcast, is it, is it connected to Steiger? Is it something that you guys do as part of what you're doing with Steiger? Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's part of our, our mission. Um, the host is Ben Pierce, who is the son of David Pierce, the founder of the mission. And David himself is one of the hosts as well on the podcast. So there are four of us. There's Ben and David, Father and Son. <laughs> it's a Father and Son podcast. And so myself, I'm on it every week. And Chad Johnson, who is a former um, Tooth and Nail guy. He, he, if you know Tooth and Nail, it's like the hardcore Christian scene. And he was uh, helping a lot of bands grow in that scene uh, back in the day. And then he started a thing called Come and Live, uh, where he, he really had a kind of a turnaround in in. in his faith in realizing that he really wanted to live for Jesus and uh, take his faith more seriously. And, and he's calling artists and bands to become, you know, real bold in their faith. And, and so uh, he started this thing called Come and Live. And then he came across Steiger and we, we met each other and realized that we had a similar heart. And so we kind of merged, you know, joined together. And Provoke and Inspire actually kind of came out of that, uh, that joining of Come and Live with Steiger. So it's a podcast today. There's us four guys talking. There's and now it's growing. So there's also a, a girls 
uh, chat on on uh, once a week as well, where some of uh, uh, the leaders, um, girl leaders from our mission, join in and, and talk as well. And it's gone into different languages too. So now we're starting part of the network of podcasts. We're getting there's one that's happening in Brazil and another one in the Russian speaking world. So it's in Russian. And uh, so it's kind of growing in that way. But we, on the, Provo- the, the main Provoke and Inspire podcast, we talk about what it's like to be a follower of Jesus in secular society. And we just try to cover a lot of different subjects. Um, how can we speak into different challenging issues, whether it be related to culture or politics or science and apologetics or whatever it be. And we're just saying, how can we, in this day and age, in this secular culture, be bold followers of Jesus? And we often get a lot of cool guests coming on. And Brian Ed Welsh from Corn is a is a regular guest on our podcast. Shane Claiborne's another. If you if you where you know if you know his books and stuff, we've had people like Tim Keller come on and a few different people. We try to get a variety of people with different perspectives as well coming on. So it's cool. I really enjoy it. It's a privilege to do something like that. I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, podcasting's fun. It's like a I told you before we started recording, nobody tells you just how much work goes into it. It's right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's busy work for sure. It is a lot of work. Now, before I let you go, you wrote a book and I think it was this book was inspired by your work with Steiger. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your book? I hadn't had a chance to read it yet, but I did read up on it on the, uh, the link you sent me. But tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, definitely. It, uh, I, I wrote this book. Um, over the past sort of three years, and it was published last year. Uh, it's called Global Youth Culture, The Spiritual Hunger of the Largest Unreached Culture Today. And you can find it on Amazon anywhere. And basically what it was, was just gathering stories and material that I had been speaking on for the last 10 years or so in the mission. And it came from what I was sharing with you guys right at the beginning about my story you know, being in university, realizing that we're, the, the people I was studying with wouldn't usually walk into a church and how can we reach them? And I just started developing a concept of trying to understand what is this culture around us that I defined as a global youth culture and saying, you know, what is it like for the this generation, you know, millennials, Gen Z and, and, and the generations after who are growing up in this materialistic, secularized culture, how does that affect us? So the book starts with addressing that issue. What is the worldview today? How, how is it people are seeing things? I talk about how consumerism affects us, how it affects our identities, how it affects our relationships. And I talk about how globalization isn't just trying to sell us something, it's also um, telling us what to believe. And it's forming... Uh, a worldview, almost a religion, if you like, that is the predominantly accepted worldview around the world, it's, uh, which I talk about in the book as being secular humanism. And I address that. I speak a bit into what is secular humanism, how it's behind all the movies and uh, what we study often in university and the posts we share and the music we listen to. Um, I often try connecting into pop culture. I look at you know different artists and songs and how I hear the, that cry, that spiritual need, um, and that worldview represented in the culture around us. And the second part of the book is really focusing down on how can we bring the good news about Jesus into that world, into that context. So I talk about um, knowing the scene. How can I understand this culture and really 
uh, get to know it and relate to it uh, following Jesus's example of how he um, would connect with people in the time he came to and how he told stories uh, through parables and really, uh, you know, and sat and ate with the sinners and how he connected with people. Then I talk about, so it's knowing the scene and then it's speaking truth into the scene. And as you might have noticed from my stories and from what we do as a mission, we're all about bold proclamation. Uh, we're trying to combine two things that often, I think, unfortunately aren't combined, which is the ability to really connect and be relevant to the cultural scene and yet be very bold and clear with the message. So I talk about that in a book. How can we share the gospel in a clear way, in a public way, in an influential way in this culture today? And I go into discipleship in the book as well. I talk about discipleship as a relationship. How can we share the gospel and invest our time in people, in relationships, and helping them learn what it looks like to follow Jesus today in uh, in this context? And full of stories, full of crazy stories in the book. I, I think I tell, yeah, I do. I tell this, um, no, actually, no, the Woodstock story happened later, so that's not in a book. But there are other crazy stories. There's a story about how we were attacked by hooligans in Switzerland um, and when we were preaching the gospel and, and how we got out alive. It's a bit of a sort of Daniel in the lion's den type of story. Um, I tell stories from Brazil, uh, reaching reaching the, the secular scene in Brazil, going into clubs and festivals there. I talk about going, going into the Middle East, to Beirut, uh, Lebanon, going to Turkey, we went through some intense times uh, going into some of these places. So the book's full of interesting stories. So I think it's a it's a fun read, but it's, you know, the hope is that it would challenge us followers of Jesus and the church to be bold with our faith today and to go into the darkest places, go to the place where people are not hearing, speak it loud in the mainstream, in in the culture around us today. So that's the hope. And like I, like I was saying before, it's recognizing what, really is the need in our culture today. That's why I called it global youth culture, the spiritual hunger of the largest unreached culture today. So I really try to address not not just all the negatives. That's the easy part, right? That's what everybody does. Oh, this world's terrible and consumerism and rah. You know, it's easy to go on a rant about that. But it also it shows the spiritual hunger, the openness, the opportunity that is real today. How much people are ready to hear. Uh, it's what they were made for. So we need to get out there and share the truth with people. And that's what the book's about. That's great, man. I really, really appreciate your fire and your 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 passion for this because we need more of that. This is awesome. And it's, like I told you earlier, it's, it's really encouraging to hear these stories because we get beat down quite a bit. And like, and, you know, we do hear a lot of the negative that's going on out there more than we do hear the positive. We need more positive in this world because it's, the negative will drag you down, man. It'll drag you down to despair. Especially this year, right? Oh, that's what I was fixing to say because we're seeing it. We're seeing it so much this year in 2020 because it's, you know, we're it's it's people are depressed. It is, and it's all we're hearing. If you're spending any time on on mainstream media, it's just negative, 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 negative. There's nothing positive coming out from anything right now, you know, and. This is encouraging that we need more of, of guys like you and, and the, the guys you, and gals that you're working with because this is awesome and we need more stories like this. I can't say that enough. I keep repeating it. Super encouraging to, to hear you say that. And I, I, I agree. I, like, I need that too. We need to be encouraging each other. And I think that especially in a year like this, it's been tough to remember again that we have hope. We have hope in, 
in Jesus and and that we can share that hope with people. Uh, so I yeah, thanks for for saying that. And uh, I I agree with you. We definitely need to look um, again to well remember God's power. Remember the power of the gospel. And it's real uh, and and in action today and in our time. Exactly. Well, I don't know if we cover if we covered everything today, and we talked about your website and your podcast and your book. But do you want to go ahead and plug them all at once, and plug anything you want here at the end, and I'll let you get out of here. Oh, thanks, Craig. No, I mean, yeah, like you said, we've mentioned them all. So, you know, love it. If, you, if you're listening and you really feel called to something like this and you'd love to get involved somehow, do find us on Uh You can find out about my book on that website as well. Um, there's a section there on books and there's other books that we've written in the mission. Uh, you know, David, the founder of the mission, wrote uh, some powerful books. So you can look those up. Um, the Broken Inspired podcast is pretty easy to find as well on all different platforms. So you can come and listen in, join in with us. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's awesome to have the kingdom mind, the mindedness that you have there, Craig, you know, the bad Roman podcast and, and then, uh, provoke and inspire and many others that are trying to get the message out there of the hope we have in Jesus and how we have to live as Jesus did, not, um, you know, for this world, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. How can we live in that way today? So, yeah, I really appreciate you. Uh, your heart and your your desire to get this message out to people today. So yeah, look us up and hope we can hear from some of you in the future as well. For sure, for sure, man. I appreciate you coming on. It's one thing that I've I've wanted to do with this project is get different uh, projects or on or getting different perspectives and hearing more about other projects because I'm a big believer in promoting other projects because I think if we can just take the time to spend a, you know 30 minutes to an hour speaking with each other to help spread this message, it's going to help. One person at a time. If we can do it one person at a time, it's going to make a huge difference in this world. And I, that's what we're trying to do with, with the Bad Roman and what y'all are doing with Steiger and Provoking Inspire podcast as well. So, man, I really appreciate this. This was a fun conversation. And I'd like to have you back on sometime later on if you write something else or you want to, if anything you want to promote, man, reach out to me. I'll, I'll have you back on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, always open to, to connect up. Definitely. Thanks, Craig. Awesome, man. I'm going to let you get out of here and get back to your family. I know our hours are different. You said it's a lot later there than it is here. It's Yeah, yeah. it's almost 11 p.m. here now. <laughs> I appreciate you uh, taking the time that late at night to come on and talk to me. No problem at all. My privilege. Thanks for the invite. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, see ya. Thanks for joining us this week on the Bad Roman Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts to never miss an episode. And while you're at it, If you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, it really helps people find us. 100% of donations are given to local charities in Memphis, Tennessee. To learn more about The Bad Roman Project and to find show notes, please visit thebadroman.com. 